Okay, so we're going to get into what we're going to talk about today, and uh, we're continuing our Upside Down series, and the whole point of this series is in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says that, uh, do not be conformed to the customs and the behaviors of this world, but let God transform you by the renewing of your mind, or by changing the way that you think. And so this whole Upside Down series is all about this, that Jesus taught a way of living life that is totally upside upside down to what our culture often teaches. And so we've looked at a whole lot of different things uh, over the past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, and, And today we're going to talk about judging. And so I want to put some pictures on the screen, and I want you to uh, put the, uh, when I put these pictures on the screen, I want you to just internally think, what is your first thing that you think about when you see these pictures? And so uh, you don't need to call it out or anything like that, but just think about what you think when you see these pictures. So let's take a look at, uh, at the first one. So there is a book out there called People of Walmart, right? You've probably all seen it on Facebook. I would actually put the pictures of the people of Walmart, but they are so inappropriate for church that you probably wouldn't come back next week. People of Walmart, you all know them. They wear ridiculous things. Things are hanging out, and it's just like, what were you thinking when you came to Walmart? But you see those people, and immediately I wonder what you think when you see them. Okay, let's take a look at the next picture. Got some biker dudes. Actually, these guys are hell's angels, so they may be bad guys. But if you saw a bunch of these guys on the roadway, and you're in your little minivan, you know, with your little family, and I wonder what you would think. What's the first thing that you would think, I wonder? Let's take a look at the next picture. You got some Muslim women. And you don't see many of that around here, but back uh, in August, I was back in, in England uh, from where, you know, I grew up, and you see a lot of it. And we're in a uh, big city, Birmingham. Actually, this was last uh, March when I was in Birmingham. And I was in Birmingham, and I saw a bunch of these, and suddenly it's just like, whoa, this is a culture shock again, because you don't see very much of that. But I wonder what you think when you see that. Let's take a look at the next picture. Hmm. I'm not sure if this was the best choice for this lady. I'm not sure if the uh, whole head tattoo, I would not have liked that, you know? I mean, could you imagine having a a tattoo on your skull? But you see someone like that, and what do you think? You're probably thinking about life choices, maybe music she listens to, thinking about all these different things. This is what I'm thinking. When she gets even older and, like, her skin is sagging, it's like, how big is that tattoo going to get? But let's... Let's take a look at the next picture. So here you see a mother with two children. And I wonder what, immediately when we see that picture, what we think. We think poor. Maybe they don't have clean water. Where's the dad? You know? Immediately we're thinking when we see pictures. Okay, let's take a look at the next picture. What do you think about that? I'm thinking they live in... California or in Colorado and they smoke a whole lot of weed, right? (laughs) Maybe some of you, you were like that and you smoked a whole lot of weed. I don't know. But that's what you think immediately. Okay, let's take a look at the next picture. Kenyan runners. I guarantee every other person who turned up for that race today, that day, saw four Kenyan runners and thought, oh man, we ain't going to win today, right? (laughs) 
Let's take a look at the next picture. Hmm. Remember when everyone had their Subaru with the Feel the Burn sticker on, right? I mean, that was like the stereotype, right? Feel the Burn. A lot of people who were Bernie supporters, we made a stereotype about, right? There was some tree-hugging, loving kind of person, but they were so left-wing, it's unbelievable, right? That's what we thought. Well, how about the next picture? These people are into guns, right? That's what we thought. These people, you know, they're, they're so right-wing, it's like, how could they even ever support someone like their candidate? Two different people. And immediately they're holding up a sign and we are passing judgments on their whole life and who they are. You see these pictures and you come up with, with these things and there is something that it seems very natural that happens when we see people, but the reality is the fact that is very unnatural. You can take the Trump pictures off as well if you want. And this is what happens. There is a learned behavior that we think is natural, but is actually not natural to us. We make opinions about people and pass judgments on them before we even ever get to know them. They say first impressions count. And we live in a culture that has embraced first impressions. That, that statistics will tell you this, and people have said this uh, a lot, that people visiting a new church, they will make up that mind, their mind whether they will come back to that church within the first five minutes of, of driving into the parking lot. So before the music started, before sermons ever preached, before they've even really ever got to know anybody, maybe they just had little coffee cups, I don't know. But, but they come into the parking lot and within five minutes they've made a decision about whether they come back to that church. And it's because first impressions count in the culture that we live in. We are taught as we grow up to, to put our best foot forward to, so, so that when people see us initially, they don't have a bad view of us. But the reality is this. We are people who judge others. And that's all down to the environment that we live in. Our environment has taught us it's okay to judge others. So about a year and a half ago, uh, my wife and myself, we were at the mall, and it was getting late, and it was one of those, you know, as a parent, you're like, oh, man, we missed the window. We should have fed our son 10 minutes ago. We didn't. And now immediately something switched, and he's become hangry, right? Immediately. I mean, all parents know this feeling when they've got young kids. And so we're at the mall, and, and we're like, okay, well, let's go get something to eat, and uh, we were talking about options, and we ended up at Red Robin. So we sit at Red Robin, and we sit down. The first thing that we do, pull the phone out, give it to my son, Evan, who knows the password in our phone. Don't know how he does that. But puts the password in, puts Netflix in, and for the next 30 minutes, we have a blissful meal, right? He's like a zombie eating his food, doesn't even know what he's eating because something's on, 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 on the phone and he's watching it. And we're actually able to talk with one another. I think it's wonderful, right? Technology is wonderful. But as soon as I did that and gave Evan my phone, I saw behind us, behind where Evan was sitting, there was a couple with two young kids. And as soon as I did this, they turned, they looked, and they started whispering to each other, and they were just shaking their head. And I could almost hear what they were saying. Like, I was mouth reading. I was like, you're judging me. I'm like, I'm being judged here because I gave a cell phone to my son because I wanted a peaceful meal. And they were talking about it all along. Now, 
I wanted to judge them back because they had two young girls and they did not give phones to and those girls were like misbehaving and they were not sitting down and they spent their whole meal not even talking to one another trying to sit their kids down and like see you should have got the phone all along <laughs> right but this is the deal with them they had no idea what my day had gone through they had no idea the struggles we were going through. They did not know that if I had not given him that phone that day, then we probably would have been kicked out of the restaurant because he would have screamed the place down because he was hangry. And they judged me just based on one action. So what does Jesus have to say about all this? Well, Jesus taught a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount where he gave us a way of doing life. And in it, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1 and 2, he says this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. I've always found this verse very difficult to understand. What does Jesus mean by judging? What does he mean by judging? Never really understood it. Like growing up, I was like, okay, we're not to judge, but I mean, what if something does something really bad? You know, I mean, what if I do see that Walmart person and it's like, what are they wearing? Come on. Like, I'm sure Jesus would have passed judgment on them. And that's what I always used to think. But this is what I've discovered that Jesus, I believe, was talking about when he says, do not judge. I believe Jesus was talking a little differently. Jesus was not saying there should not be justice in this world. For Jesus believed in justice. If you read the Bible, God is evidently a God of justice. God passes judgment. And that is what ju to judge means. To judge means to pass judgment. And God is a God who will, ever, who will eventually judge us all and he will pass judgment. And actually, when you read the Gospels and you start to see the life of Jesus, Jesus was a man who often passed judgment on people. There's a lot of people called the Pharisees and Jesus did not have very good things to say about them at all. What I believe Jesus is saying here in Matthew 7, he says, do not judge. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. What I believe Jesus is saying is, it's in how we pass judgment on people. It's not that judgment is wrong and to judge is wrong. It's in how we pass judgment. He's saying God will judge you in how you judge others. And this gives us insight into how Jesus was thinking. Can you believe that American Idol is back on the TV? It's like, what were they thinking? You know, it's like trying to milk this cow as much as they can. But I always remember watching like when American Idol, when people actually watched it and it was like, you know, it was everyone was watching it. And you get these really bad people who would come and they would perform in front of the judges and immediately the judge would say no. And this is what they would say. Oh, no, give me a chance. Please give me a chance. I know I can prove it to you that I'm a good singer. And the judges are like, no, you can't sing. You're, like, you're tone deaf. No, but if you send me to Hollywood, then I can prove to you I can sing. And basically what they're saying is, like, don't judge me on my first appearance. Don't judge me on, on, on immediately what happened. I want to prove to you exactly what happened. And some people are actually legitimate. They actually got another chance, and they actually proved that they were good singers. Most of them, they were terrible. But how would you like God to judge you? Would you like God to judge you initially, the first thing that you do or the first thing that you say? 
how would you like God to judge you? This is what I think I would like God to judge me. I would like God to give me a chance. I would like God to check my motives. I would like God to see the sacrifices that I make in life. I would like God to know the struggles that I'm going through. I would like God to know the thought process behind my decision that I was making. That's what I would like God to do. And what Jesus is saying, he is saying that when you judge people, you will be judged in the same way that you judge others. See, people who belong to Jesus and live in what I call the unshakable kingdom of God, they think like this. They judge how they would like to be judged. So if you wouldn't like someone to judge you on first appearances, then you don't really need to start judging people on first appearances. And that's what Jesus is saying. See, Jesus was able to pass judgment on people. The Pharisees came along and he was like, he, he says, you, you know, you, you terrible people, you, you, uh, uh, you're like a group of vipers and uh, you've got bad hearts and this and that. And he passed judgment on them. And then when there was people who were sinful and he said they were, there was an adulterous woman and he passed judgment on her immediately. There was a woman who tried to, to, to who was a Samaritan, who tried to uh, get, uh, get to Jesus and Jesus turned to, to her. He says, he says, woman, said, like, why, why, why would I even come near you? And this is what she says. She goes, well, even dogs get crumbs from your table. I felt so sorry for this woman. She compared herself to a dog. And Jesus is passing judgment on these people. And this is why Jesus could pass judgment on them. Because Jesus could see what's very hard to see. Jesus could see the people's hearts. He could see their hearts. So Jesus could see the heart of the Pharisee, that his motives were not right. So that's why Jesus passed judgment on it. The woman who actually compared herself to a dog, she had a good heart and Jesus could see it. He was just proving her heart was good. And there's been people in life that I've embraced and they've seemed nice, but I found out later that they had a selfish heart compared to people that I've judged initially when I've seen them, I'm like, oh, they don't look like very good people. And you've got to know them. And they've had good hearts. So I've got two books right here, right? You've always heard, never judge a book by its cover. I'm not going to show the author of the one, right? So I've got two books here. One was a marketing A+. It was a win. It was a marketing home run. The other one, let's be honest, I would never pick up this book in a bookstore. Because the cover is terrible. I mean, whoever designed that just did not do a good job. But this one, the top one, the orange one, when that was in the bookstores about a year and a half ago, it was everywhere. There was posters all over it. It became a New York Times bestseller. The author made a ton of money out of this book. I don't think the guy on the bottom book got rich making his book. But let me tell you about these two books. If you were in a bookstore, you'd pick up the top one. You wouldn't pick up the bottom one. But this is what I know. I've read both of these books. One changed my life. One, I don't even remember what's even in it. One 
I embraced and I, I, and I soaked up and, and I read every night. The other one I put down and I'm like, well, I could have written that in a blog post myself. Seven steps to something. I just, you could have just given me the seven steps without having me pay 15 bucks for the book. And let me tell you, the one that looks great was the one I would not recommend that book. It's okay. It's blah. The one, this one, that I would have never picked up, it changed my life, changed the way I pray and the way I think about God. And that's what we often do in life. We judge books by their cover, right? We judge books by their cover. And so I'm thankful that Jesus, when he says this, do not judge others and you will not be judged, that Jesus didn't stop there. I'm thankful that Jesus went on and he told us, okay, there is a way to judge, but how do we judge? And so this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3 to 5. He says, and why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friends, let me get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite, Jesus says. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Jesus is a comedian. When Jesus said these words, they would have laughed. It was an outrageous statement, talking about a log in your own eye. I mean, who has a log in their eye? I don't think I've ever seen anyone with a log in their eye. Jesus is making an outlandish statement, and he would have got a laugh from the crowd. But what Jesus is doing, he's exaggerating. But the point is, what this is what Jesus is saying. Stop trying to fix everyone else first. Instead, check yourself, for you'll find out you're not quite as good as you think you are. Uh, there's an expression I've used quite a lot in my life, and it's this expression. Stop calling the, the pot calling the kettle black, right? It's like the pot calling the kettle black. Because they're saying the kettle's black, but the pot's black, right? And we, we do that a lot in life. We start to look and judge others, and we forget to look at ourselves. And this is why, because it's easier to see out than it is to see in. We always see out. It's very hard to see in. Even if you look at a mirror, the first thing you're doing is seeing out before you see the reflection of yourself. And if you see a dirty mirror, like a lot of you, before you even see yourself, you're like trying to clean the mirror, right? Because it's easier to see out than it is to see in. And this is the tension for those who belong to Christ. It's easier to see other people's faults than your own. Specs are a whole lot easier to remove than logs. Depending on how big the log is, some logs are pretty heavy, right? But a speck is easier to remove. Specs look different than logs. Specs look out of place. A log, you think that's just part of the design. It's like a, a quirky design. And you'll find that with people. People have got little faults. And we'll go to them and they're like, well, brother or sister, like, you need to change this. You know, friend, you need to change this. And then you say, well, what about you? Well, that's just the way I am. It's just the way I'm wired, you know? Because logs are hard to move and specs are easy to move. And our culture justifies this. It justifies it. 
And through the whole Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts to teach us that it is impossible to live this life and to live in this world in a standard that is up to God without Jesus. We're going to find out next week that, 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 that the standard of Jesus is so high that we can never meet it without the help of Jesus. But we live in this world where we're taught to judge. We do it with children, right? You get a baby, a baby will never judge you for your looks, your appearance or anything, right? But you've got little Johnny and you're walking down the street and some homeless guy comes who looks a little suspect and this is what you do. You hold Johnny's hand a little tighter, right? Because our culture has taught us to do that, to judge on first appearances. And this is what Jesus is telling us here, saying, don't worry about the speck in your own, uh, in the other person's eye. Worry about the log in your own eye. Jesus is teaching us a new culture here. It's a culture that we're not, we're, we're not familiar with, but it's a culture of this, self-evaluation first. Always look at me. What is my relationship with God? Don't worry about the other person. Where am I at with God? A am I doing right things? Have I got something wrong with me? And that's what Jesus is teaching. Don't judge others when you've got issues with yourself. And then Jesus continues, and Jesus then starts to contradict himself which is a little strange. And then in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6, Jesus says this, don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. So Jesus has just told us, do not judge others. But then he says this, but don't waste your time on the pigs. Seems a contradictory statement. He's now saying, okay, oh, it's okay to judge people. Jesus is referring people as pigs. Pigs were unclean animals. Pigs ate every anything and they destroyed everything. Give the, a pig your best food and he will waste it. Because he doesn't know the difference or she doesn't know the difference between good food and bad food. They'll just eat it and destroy it and roll in the mud. And the Jews thought pigs were unclean animals. When Jesus taught, he taught in the fishing villages of the Sea of Galilee. Lots of fishermen, lots of people who, who earned their living because of the water. And they knew the value of a pearl. Right? Has anyone ever seen like those Facebook um, things where those ladies like opening the pearls? Have you, anyone seen those? They're kind of like addictive and weird and strange. Like, they, like they're bidding on opening these pearls and stuff. But the value of a pearl to, to these people, the value of a pearl is a lot today. But to these people, they knew the value of the pearl. And so once again, Jesus makes this like comical statement. Don't throw your pearls to the pigs. Like every Jew would know, no, we're never going to give a pearl to a pig. And that's what Jesus says. And he's comparing these pigs to people who what he calls unholy. Now, I don't believe Jesus is talking about people who don't know God. I think Jesus is talking about a certain type of person who it's not worth giving your time or your worth to. Let me show you what I mean. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 to 19. The writer of the Proverbs says this, 
What are worthless and wicked people like? They are constant liars, signaling their deceit with a wink of the eye, a nudge of the foot, or the waggle of a finger. Their perverted hearts plot evil, and they constantly stir up trouble. But they will be destroyed suddenly, broken in an instant beyond all hope of healing. Then listen to these words. There are six things the Lord hates. God is a God of love. More love than whatever we can do. More love than the hippies have, I'm telling you. But if God hates something, that means it's pretty bad. So the writer of the Proverbs said, there's six things that the Lord hates. Then he thinks, no, wait. He says, no, seven things he detests. So he's thinking of six and no, no, there's another one. Seven he detests. And this is what they are. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord in a family. These are the things that God hates. As you build relationships with people and you get to know them, there are some that you will find that you need to start to run away from. See, as you build relationships with people, what happens is they start to reveal their hearts. See, when you first meet them, it's all about outward appearance, first impressions. But the more you get to know them, the more you realize their heart. Have you ever heard someone say about someone else, they've just got a good heart? Because they've got to know that person, their heart has revealed themselves to be a good heart. But there are some people, when you get to know them, they will reveal themselves and they will reveal that they have a bad heart. There are some people that it is okay to pass judgment on, but this, your judgment should be this. Not to say things about them and bad things about them, not to laugh about them, not to put posts on Facebook about them, say, yeah, look at this person. This is how we pass judgment. You just don't give them your time or your worth. So Jesus says, don't throw your pearls to the pigs. What's valuable in your life, don't give them your valuable things in your life. He says there's people who are liars, those who try to deceive others, people who turn others against each other, those who stir up trouble. These are the people that Jesus is calling pigs. Proverbs 6 tells us people who are two-faced, people who lie, people who take the life out of people. People who plot to, to do bad things. People who, when they see bad things, run towards it. People who sow discord. Those are what Jesus calls pigs. Strong language. And this is what Jesus says. Don't give them your time and your worth. The things that you find valuable in life, do not give them. So if you've got valuable time and you don't have much time in life, why give your time to people who are sowing discord and liars? Don't do that. If what's valuable in life is, is, is your family time, don't expose your family time 
to these other people who are causing issues? What is valuable in your life? So let me ask you a very personal and private question today. Do you know anyone in your life right now who Jesus would call a pig? Is there anybody you would call a pig? I know when I was a kid, if I ever called someone a pig, boy, my mom would spank me. But Jesus is being serious. He's saying, is there anyone like a Proverbs 6 kind of person in your life? And if there are, then this is what you need to do. Don't give them your time and your worth. This is what Jesus says. Don't give them the time of day. Stay away from them. They're like vampires. They're going to suck the life out of you. And this is what Jesus says. You are worth more than those people. Your worth, your time, your, your, your spirit, your heart is worth more than those people because they will suck the life out of you. See, Jesus is teaching us that we are not to judge people on preconceived ideas. Not to focus on people's little faults. But the more you get to know people, the more their heart is revealed. And if their heart is a bad heart, then as Jesus says, they're just pigs. It doesn't mean that you treat them the way that they treat you. But it does mean this. Just don't give them your best. They're not worth it. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, just a little bit after he said about not judging people. He says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So how do you like to be treated? Like I think every husband and wife should like make a list before they get married. This is how I like to be treated. It would solve a whole lot of marital arguments, I think, maybe. But how do you like to be treated? However you want to be treated, that's how you should start to treat others. You've ever heard the five love languages, right? You know, touch and gift giving and words of affirmation and things like that, right? It's the same way. And, and the whole concept is we love how we want to be loved. So like my mom's a gift giver. She always says she doesn't want anything, but she loves it when she gets a gift, right? You get those touchy people, you know? And if you're not a touchy person, you don't like to be too close to touchy people. They touch, touch you all the time, right? All the time, yeah. It's great being around the words of affirmation people, but the people who do the gifts of service can't stand the words of affirmation. Don't tell me you love me, just go do it, right? You know, but that's how it is. Do to others as you would have them do to, uh, to you. See, our world that we live in and the culture that we are engrossed in tells us at times how wrong other people are. They love to point fingers and say, you're wrong, you're wrong. But they cry a river in the Justin Timberlake version. They cry me a river when it's pointed back at them, Right? Politics is a perfect example. And Jesus is saying this. Don't treat people like that. Treat people with respect. Give people your attention. Don't get offended. But instead, try to understand others and always be honest. Let's bow our heads in prayer. 
So while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed this morning, in a moment we're just going to move into our worship set and we're going to worship God together. But before we do that, I want us just to be very reflective just for a moment. And reflective in this way. Have I been judgmental towards people who did not deserve the judgment I passed on them? Another way of looking at it. Have I tried to take the specks out of other people's eyes and totally dismissed the big old fat log that was in my eye? And some of you this morning, that's a real issue. And we're going to pray through just before we go into worship today. And pray that God will help you to become very self-evaluating before you pass judgment on others. But then there are other people today and you've got people in your life and they are like what Jesus calls pigs. They're draining the life out of you. They're backbiters. They're two-faced. They're liars. They sow discord. And for some of you, you need to drop those relationships. You need to not give them the time that you've been given them. And so if that's you today, we're going to pray as well. And we're going to pray that God is going to help you to make wise choices in those relationships so that you can invest in people who give life and breathe life. So Father God, today we thank you. We thank you for your words of guidance. We thank you for your words of wisdom. We thank you for teaching us what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. And Father God, today we come to you with our struggles and the tension that we have, that we live in a culture that is molding us and trying to shape us in an environment where we are trying to live that is just very judgmental. So God, today, help us not to immediately pass judgment on people by what our culture has taught us. But help us to respect people and listen to people and give people the time that they need. Help us to hear people's hearts, God. Not see people through our eyes, but see people's hearts. Help us build relationships with those that maybe we would have never thought about building relationships with. Let us look past outward appearances. see the hearts. Father, I pray for those this morning who have got people in their lives that are Proverbs 6 kind of people. Those who may be liars or those who drain the life out of others or those who sow discord. Father, I pray today that you will give them the wisdom. God, that you will give them the guidance to be able 
to handle those relationships in a godly and swift manner. That you will help them over time to be able to distance themselves from those people if those people will not change. And that they will build healthy relationships built on mutual respect where there will be life-giving relationships, where real friendships will form and not have to worry about people talking behind their backs or sowing discord or lying. So Father, today we pray, God, as a church, that you will help us develop authentic, spiritual, godly relationships where we prefer one another, God where we do unto others as we would have them do unto us, that we don't judge people based on what we immediately see, but we, we, we look at people and we pass judgment on them based on how we would want judgment to be passed on us. God, help us to be more like you. Help us to be more Jesus-like. We ask in the mighty name of Jesus.